Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the 9 to 5. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Um, today we have Joe from Young Catholic Professionals or YCP. And we're very excited to have Joe. Um, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, Joe. Thank you, girls. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's really nice to be here. So yeah, Joe Putnick. Um, currently live in New York City. Um, originally from Denver, Colorado. Spent some time in your guys' neck of the wood in Chicago for about five years. Um, but uh, currently uh, have my own little consulting firm. I do like data science work and software development projects. And then found myself now presently running um, a really large um, Catholic ministry here in New York. So it's uh, it's been a great, long, good uh, journey, but uh, excited to kind of talk more about it and how I got here, I guess. Yeah, we're super excited. I mean, coming to Chicago and learning about young Catholic professionals and then having a podcast called um, Corporate Catholic, we just felt like there was just so much inner intersection there. And so we've been really wanting to have someone from YCP. Um, so maybe just a quick background on what is YCP for those who don't know and um, and maybe how did you get involved? Yeah. So this is in an involved Chicago, of course, very symbiotic. Um, so YCP started by this um, woman in Dallas, who's now, I guess, considered to be the executive director and founder, but she like a lot of people, you graduate college and the first 22 years of your life, even you could say first 25 years of your life are, it's like this well-designed book, this well-designed video game. And you'll, you'll notice a lot of people have mastered that. And then right, right as you kind of graduate, it is, it is open seas. And where do you go? You can, you, we, we kind of plug ourselves in professionally. Um, but everything else kind of falls by the wayside and, and life becomes a little more unstructured. Um, so there's a few kind of monuments we can hang ourselves on or not hang ourselves on, but, um, strive for, which is, would be marriage, children, house. But, e- but even then there's like, those are also kind of individual things. It involves one or two other people, but, um, so Jen was, you know, graduated out of the, um, the housing crisis. And when, you know, the financial crisis, when things were really going really bad. And, uh, I think, I think her job was also, a, you know, wasn't quite there too, but, starts uh, basically a Catholic group in Dallas just to say, hey, you might have that young adult after mass group, but, and that's, that's okay, but how do we have this kind of broader regional um, young Catholic group that just connects everyone? And this was 2010, so this wasn't like meetup.com was prevalent or any of these other things. This was just, you know, pre, I, I guess I just graduated high school, but this was, this was very nascent, digital age, digital social media. Like this, we weren't thinking this way. We weren't thinking... How do we band together? It was probably, you know, the, the millennials were graduating college and it was still, um, you know, kind of you against the world. So she she was able to gain, gain a lot of critical mass in Dallas uh, over the next five years uh, and then spread kind of throughout the rest of Texas uh, of just building these broad opt-in Catholic groups. And uh, I think she also kind of considers herself a revert. I'll let her speak for that. But, um, you know, being able to just have happy hours, speaker series, like who are the, who are the executives in your community that are Catholic? Like that's not something you're bringing forth at work usually. And it's, it's something that's maybe 
you could you could argue has been more popular or less popular. We've become more secular in the workplace. It certainly feels that way to me. Um, but how do we identify those people? How can we all kind of find yourselves um, when you're in that transition period uh, of you've left that you've left the, the home as a, as a child. You're not quite yet a parent. That's a really critical year, and and you find that it's probably the most common time when people fall away from the church. So it just solves a lot of. Um, personal problems for people who are, you know, still actively seeking that faith community, but it also solves a good problem for people who don't know that they need that type of faith community. So um, present day, as of tomorrow, uh, they're launching two more chapters, which I think brings it to like 38 national chapters. So you can just reconcile that to say, basically every archdiocese and diocese, the top 40 cities um, in the, you know, the metro U.S. have some way of connecting all of the young adults, all of the older, you know, uh, Catholic professionals, all the executives, and just building this huge, broad community. And it's it's the it's recognized as being like the largest national community of of Catholics. There's there's independent groups that kind of like exist in in other cities, but it's really seen. The, the reason I kind of bought into it was like this is a contiguous. You know, people may come to New York, people come to Chicago, they come to LA, like you're always going to be kind of cycling through these, these metro areas. So um, YCP then becomes kind of this lighthouse brand to say, how do I find um, my people? How do I find kind of the fellow Catholics? So I was in Chicago and uh, I was, I think just over a year into living there and I was commuting to the the Northwest suburbs uh, also as a consultant. And that was kind of a dreary life. But for, for me up to that point, I think I was 24, 25, but, you know, I had no problem going to mass, but I was always going to mass alone. And I really had very few friends with, with maybe one exception of a period of my life, which was like my senior year of college, that it feel like I was genuinely in a community having any sort of semblance, right? So that kind of gives you an idea of what my, how much it had invaded my, my personal and professional life at that point, which was, which was very little. Like church was an hour a week. I still thought about it. I went to confession. Like I wasn't that person who was like struggling with the existence of God or any of that. Um, but I, I did not have the people around me, certainly. So it's All Saints Day. So this is probably almost seven years ago. Um, All Saints Day in 2016, the Cubs were just about to win the World Series. And, and I'll like never forget that week because I think the election was the following week. So it was just a ton of things were going on. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a secular coworker and I'm sitting there in like Schaumburg, Illinois. And I'm like, does anyone have a good parish? And the great thing about being in Chicago, and I guess I can kind of backtrack to my um, how I like arrived there, but Chicago is a very Catholic city, super easy compared to a lot of the other places I've been where, um, I mean, maybe the only place could give it a running was like Pittsburgh, but I've never, I've never worked. I've just only heard reputationally, but you know, Chicago was, you could be super open about it. You wore your ashes at work. Um, so I felt, I felt comfortable asking that question and not, not thinking that I was going to like raise eyebrows. And, um, my coworkers just looked at me and says, I just went to a baptism at, uh, I think it was like St. Stanislaus or it was, it was one of the churches that I would have just not yeah. have regularly gone to. Um, but it happened to be off the train line that I was taking. I think it was the Metro Northwest or something like that. And I come in and they say, it's welcome to the young professionals mass. And I like it, but I thought of it the same way that you hear like, welcome to the young adult mass. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. great. Like, you know, this, I must've just picked correctly. It was, it was all saints day thinking, you know, they do. But it was the YCP mass, and it, YCP had just uh, the YCP Chicago had just been in its first year, and uh, I was like, you know what? Why don't I check this out? Why don't I go down to the basement? But I was not the person that was staying after mass. I did not think in this way. I did not think how to find my Catholic people. I was solely probably you know career defined at that point. 
Um, but I go down there and it's, it's one of their executive speaker series. And uh, I was able to meet the president and um, I said, Hey, I'm a set of hands. I'm happy to help. And then, uh, and then two months later, I became the, the, their second director of finance. And um, I'm happy to talk more about what that year was, but um, it was just kind of very circumstantial that I even was at that church and could have just gone to a different parish and would have never been exposed to it. But it was thinking back, I was had no, you know, again, that was 2016. So even where the point of social media, that's what we rely on basically right now to advertise our stuff. Um, it just wasn't, we weren't thinking in that way. We weren't thinking in digital communities. There wasn't, um, Instagram wasn't what it was. Um, there wasn't this, the, the, just the branding wasn't there. So it, it launched um, almost innocuously and I was not even aware of it for about a year and had not, would have probably not been aware of it um, had I not gone that fast. So I always think it's kind of providential that I just happened to be at that one. But, um, you know, what, what transpired after that was um, I was involved and, you know, unbeknownst to me, the one year that I was, because it's year-long terms that you're involved with, um, with, as a, as a chapter leader, that that would ultimately be probably my hardest professional year to date. So I, I graduated college in, in 2014 to contextualize kind of the, the challenges. I graduated with, without a job. I, uh, I had had a job with a big bank and then that thing kind of fell through. And then I found myself, um, you know, in a, in a moment of like, you know, not God, what are you calling me to do? I was like, okay, what is my, I was solely focused on professional identity at that point. So, all right, if I'm not, going to be a finance person. I'm a consultant. I, that's what my brother was doing. Um, but it's just funny to like look back and kind of reconcile because the whole, the whole point is how do you, how do you merge spiritual and professional life? How do you merge personal and professional life? How do you merge romantic and professional life? Like all these things should be connected. It shouldn't be seen as um, um, a vacuum or seen kind of in a siloed way. But I remember when I first um, graduated I, uh, I was just you know, same feeling that Jen had felt four years prior, which was like, what do I do now? Like, I, I don't have a job. So I started, I started my own little consulting firm and, uh, and I still, and it made me think of like Augustine. Cause I like, I knew there was evil in the world. I, I knew that I, I needed to kind of like split my time. I wasn't like solely utilitarian where I was just like, how do I make as much money? So I started a firm, my little firm in 2014. And then a month later I said, I got to have some nonprofit that backs it up, but it was, it was basically like, how do I, how do I, how do I merge my value system and, and ultimately what I think, how do you help your neighbor and, and how do you, how do you serve your, your community? So I started this nonprofit called creative altruism and my goal at the time, and it's, it still sort of exists today, but it was like, how do you divide your time of like professional life and then a philanthropic and I didn't realize it, but kind of a faith life and, and, and how do you kind of merge all of those and say, all of these can kind of work together didn't know how that was actually going to come to fruition, but let's see. So for the first year of school, I'm making no out of school, making very little money. And uh, I got a little contract in, in Florida that I was able to kind of live off of for a bit. But um, I tried, I was just throwing my, my, my ring in the hat uh, at or my hat in the ring at like 15 different things. They weren't really hitting. And, uh, and it was like, I'd, I'd gone to school on a scholarship. I thought I had this real path laid out for me, but um, wasn't, uh, I just, at the time had no discernment about like, God, what are you trying to tell me right now? Or what, what should I be thinking about? I was like, it is, it's so upsetting how devoid I was of that while still going to mass. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like there was no, I, so, so much of where I'm at now, right. I'm 32. I want to shake my 22 year old self. And instead of shaking my 22 year old self, you can just, you can put an arm around the average 
22, 24, 25 year old and, and say, Hey, here's, you know, so the benefit of, of, of my hindsight, which can be your foresight. So, um, you know, I, I kind of struggled throughout that first year. And then I said, all right, the startup dream or this little thing I have is not going to work. The jobs are not coming calling, but, uh, um, I knew that I'd at one point wanted to live in Chicago and there just wasn't going to be a lot of jobs there. And I'd gone to a school on a, a scholarship that's based in, the, in Chicago in the Midwest. Um, so I get kind of this Hail Mary, which ends up being less of a Hail Mary, but a literal kind of like just, um, you know, God's providence again. But I'm I'm down to like my last hundred dollars and I'm, oh I'm not doing too hot. And um, but I ended up getting a job with this consulting firm. They needed 10 people. Uh, they interviewed 700 of us. I ended up being number 11. They said, they, they, notoriously, they told me I was like their last no. Um, and I was like, God, I really thought that was going to be it. Like, God, and I, I remember mm-hmm. when you're really at your basement, you're really in, in kind of the, the, the dwells of, of suffering. That is ten, when we tend to kind of lean on a more spiritual thing, like, God, please help me. Like, and that's not, that's not a point you want to be out of your faith life where you're only praying when things are going really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just remember being like, I, you know, I, I need something. I need something to come through. And the recruiter calls me. This is like late July of 2015. She said, you know what? We're going to come back. We're going to give you a job, but like you got to be in Chicago in six days. And I had no money. So I moved to Chicago notoriously with $40, uh, brought a suitcase. I lived on my buddy's couch for a little bit. Um, and then I lived in, I I had to convince, I lived in the gold coast the whole time I was there, but I had to Convinced the landlord, I said, I don't have any money right now, which is a terrible way to start a, a tenant relationship. <laughs> but I was like, I have no money, but give me a little bit. I'm going to get paid. And for whatever reason, she's just, uh, she's still my friend to this day. But um, she said, you know what? It's crazy. But these are all moments. I'm like, am yeah. I, like, I have this job come through. I have this great apartment come through. And it's like, finally, after what felt like 18 months of, of a kind of a topsy-turvy, um, you know, professional journey, how much was I really thinking, discerning and, and honoring God in that way? Like, yeah, not, not something that was there, unfortunately. And I'm, I'm, I'm able to admit that in, in hindsight, like was going to confession was all these things, but it's just amazing. Like I had no way I didn't have that role model or that person or the people around me to say, here's how you can kind of blend all of these. And that's not, I'm not, I'm not throwing any stones at anyone in my past life, but it just, mm-hmm. we weren't thinking like that. you just were, kind of going along to get along. Um, but I move to Chicago and I'm, I have no concept of what it's actually like to live there. This to me, I mean, I live in New York now and I have to watch so many kids move here at 22 and it's, it's a really hard adjustment for most people, but Chicago is a hard adjustment for me to let you know, kind of like, you know, little cow town, Denver. Um, the Chicago is still the big city to me. So it took, it took a lot of, um, getting used to, but I was immediately struck by, like I said, just a little bit ago, it's an easy place to be Catholic. I don't need to hide that. I wasn't aware, right? So much of what we talk about is faith formation, spiritual formation, professional formation. I didn't have a way to articulate where I was at in my faith formation journey. I'd gone through the sacraments. I'd gone through all the ones you'd expect. I was going to mass. Was you know was was in it well enough, but I don't think it was imposed on us the probably to the level it should have been. And this is coming from someone who went to private or uh, sorry private school, went to public school his whole life. So for the average kid who went to Catholic school, they're like, what are you talking about? This was every day of my life. But for me, <laughs> it wasn't. I was seven, I think it was at 16, 17 years of, of, of public school. Mm-hmm. I remember in, in 12th grade, we had to get a, a note written by our parents saying, or uh, to give to our parents saying, we're going to read 
Genesis and Exodus as a literary, uh, whatever for AP English, we're not going to, we're not going to impose God on your kids. I remember that like in whatever that was 2009. Um, so that was about the very like minimum of where, you know, I didn't have the like Catholic social teaching or any sort of catechism baked into my, my academic life and for better or for worse, because what we've done and what, you know, the importance of having Catholic friends or having people around you is those are the people that are ultimately going to get you back when we, they're, they're going to explain things the best way. It's going to feel the least intimidating, the least threatening. You're gonna, you kind of get asked the dumb questions, but so many of those people that I'm finding that are fallen away, lapsed Catholics went to 13 years, 17 years of, of Catholic school. Like it was just mm-hmm. too much too soon. And I've talked to priests about this. Like, how do you actually like it's however they're teaching it now, how do you blend what the psychology of what the average eight-year-old can handle? The average 12-year-old should be able to interpret. It seems like it's it's kind of a lot of the, you know, the same parochial school stuff that maybe my dad had to go through or something. Because I just see uh, this kind of common early 20s, mid-20s rejection. And then they start yeah. to kind of come back around. Like they still recognize it's important. But for me, it was never like that. I didn't have any bad taste in my mouth about God or I didn't have any negative interactions with priests or any of that. So I was like, you know, praise God. Like really it's, mm-hmm. I, I, in hindsight would have kind of wish I'd gone to a Catholic school. Cause a lot of these, a lot of these people who have, like, I'm still having to relearn things and teach myself things. Um, and it's just not the same as going is, is when you go to like a, a public school or something, we're just not, it's, it's basically like a government school. You're not, you're not learning these things. You're learning curriculum in a completely other direction. And I mean, forget about it now. Like you go to a public school now, it's, it's uh, just, it's just a different world. But um, I saw this as I tried to see this as a silver lining. I mean, like I still feel very positive about this, and it was something I'm able to seek. I'm able to choose, and there's a reason for all of this, right? Like I, if 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 I'm the one of the person it sort of resonated with, then how can I use that as like a power? How can I use that to to help help other people come back themselves? Because it wasn't like they were lacking in um, the more academic side. They weren't they weren't lacking in the actual understanding of it. They just didn't want to, they just didn't want to be there. It was like they had to go to mass every day of their lives as kids or whatever it was. But that's just, that's just one type that we see that we're, you know, that YCP has been a good vehicle from because they're like, they don't want to go back and see a priest quite yet, but they'll come back to a happy hour. They'll come back to these, yeah. they'll come here, someone who's not quite their boss, not quite their parent, but is, you know, we just had uh, at one of our events, the global head of real estate at JP Morgan. That was not too hard to get people to come to that event because it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to know what this guy has to say. Um, yeah. You're just kind of using these these exemplars that we have in our lives, but we're we're like who's ever close, whatever that psychological thing is, who's ever closest to us. We're like we we don't quite try, you know, like my older brother doesn't take any feedback from me ever. But if I send if I send him something from you know, uh, it could be the point of view that I wanted to share, but it's for somebody else. It's like how receptive we are to people that <laughs> a few degrees yeah. of separation is different. I, whatever that is, but it's it, I've, I've experienced it acutely. Um, but I. I'm in Chicago and I'm like, this is it. This is the place I need to be. Um, I'm at the job I want to be at. I feel like I just had this almost like Jobian like thing where all these things are being taken away from me. I, I lost this job sanctimoniously. Um, I, I feel like I was isolated from friends. I, I was living at home and then I ended up living at my uncle's place for a little bit. Um, but I was just like, what is this journey that I'm on? I just gotten a complete full scholarship to college. I was headed this one trajectory and then it was like I was on this. Um, not so good trajectory, but then I'm, I, then it was like this 18 month interruption 
now I'm back. Now I'm back to probably one of the best jobs I think I could have or think I could have could have gotten out of school. So it was like this uh, this kind of up and down type journey. Um, and then the wheels started to fall off sort of again. But that was so this is late 2015. I, I'm again selectively going to mass, but it's like it's just these things aren't sinking. I'm starting to lose focus when I go to church. Like it just nobody's I'm not there. Nobody's there to talk with me about it. Like I'm not there and that's, that's no one else's fault, but I'm not, I'm not recapping what the homily was about after mass. I'm not talking about any of these things in my faith life. And then 2016 ends up being a tough, tough year. I'm commuting every day. I think I had like a four hour round trip commute. Right. And that was again, ultimate, but wow. again, thank God, because ultimate, that was yeah. the one reason that I had, I had a nice little cushy job in the city uh, and you know, that exposure, I would have, I wouldn't have found uh, YCP. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2017, though, um, and I, I just kind of had—I was disorganized, and and I, I I had little little strings that were kind of being pulled at me at work, and I, I'm feeling that all these little sins are being used against me. Um, and these are professional sins I'm talking about, not not like uh, spiritual sins, but um, I could just kind of feel that I'm all in on work. I'm working six, seven days a week, and you guys are—I'm going through this, I'm sure. But when you're a young consultant, you're you're really put through the put through the grinder. Um, so I was, I was really <laughs> out and, uh, I, I was just trying to please my boss, please my, my company. And it just wasn't working. And I, again, it was, I didn't take it as a sign. Like I should have been like, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this isn't the right environment. Maybe, you know, um, maybe it's time to look elsewhere, but I just kept doubling down and it just didn't seem to matter whatever I was doing. Um, certain things were going well, but certain things weren't. And I am, uh, this, you know, fast forward to right around the time that I'm, I'm, I meet YCP, I'm in, I'm in a pretty burnt out state. Um, I, I, again, going to mass was, was one thing, but I just didn't have, I had a professional support group around me in certain ways, not realizing that these were people that wanted to just proceed or, uh, kind of climb the ladder the way that, that I did. Mm-hmm. But next year in 2017, I finally start to meet through just volunteering, right? Like when you're at your lowest point, sometimes just acts of service and, and being able to give is, is the right move. It's not saying, Hey, please come help me or please come do this. Or I'm, you know, I need, I need all this help. It's just saying, how can I take what's left of me or how can I take what I, um, what skills I have and, and kind of provide service to people around me, serve the church, serve, you know, your neighbor. Um, and I just start to meet a really different quality of person. Chicago is super Catholic. You, you can probably, I don't know the, the numbers, you know them better than I do. Um, but you could probably, I would say at least half the people I met were Catholic. They just weren't really living that type of life. And yeah. YCP was one where I'm like, wow, I'm really around a different caliber of person. And the joke is like, you know, there's no quality, there's no interest exam to join YCP. They'll take, they'll take converts. They'll take people who are atheists. Like it is, it is just inviting people in to, to learn about, God or learn, you know, to just to join in, in fellowship. Um, but I could just instantly see like, these are the people that I, I would just say spiritual leaders really well formed, but you couldn't tell by looking, they didn't really pass the eye test where you're like, um, you, you knew right off the bat, but the more you got to get to know them, you're like, wow, you're really living this. And again, this was just such a new thing for me to have to put together. Um, but it ultimately be, is something that, that provides, um, probably the best support group that I had found today. So I am 
serving as as this this finance director role hadn't hadn't really done that in quite a while. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm a set of hands. I'm a smart guy. I can kind of figure this out. But little did I know, thinking like, you know, you, you walk in and I, at that point I was kind of used to the consulting mindset where you walk into a really unstructured um, place and how do you how do you apply all these little frameworks and bells and whistles and how do you make things better? Mm-hmm. Um, not realizing that I was the person that needed to be that needed to be kind of improved upon <laughs> and, and redeemed. Um, but I'd the reason that this was like so critical for me, because I, I don't want to say I was ever doing anything that important. I was basically balancing books and writing checks. And it was like, you know, you're just you're just kind of part of the team. But this, you know, talking about 2017 being a hard year, it starts in I'm, I could kind of tell them it feels like my my boss down my heels. I think I was put on a performance improvement plan at work. It's funny to like even think about in hindsight, but uh, it was like these little things where um if I was a manager, it's not things I would have considered to be important, but they were like looking for reasons. Like I was like, as soon as I was in there, it was like I was on borrowed time. But um, I just felt this like almost this, this angry energy being kind of like pushed my way. And sometimes you got to just see that that's just God pushing you a different direction. And that that's OK. Yeah. But I'm, I am so most bonded to my my first company being like, no, this is the, they got me to Chicago. This is the reason I should be here. Um so I'm not like the greatest volunteer to start out, but then I had a friend pass away. I was with him that night. Um, we were at a, we were at a, a I think a, bar- a barcade maybe in Chicago. And I remember being like, I love you, man. Just, just gave him like a hug. And then he died in his sleep like two hours later. And I remember just being like wow. shocked. By it. And then that like really sat with me being like, Oh my gosh. Like I haven't had at that point, I'd only had um, people, you know, I'd had a, maybe a few suicides, but, um, hadn't hadn't lost anyone like that where I'm like you know that was someone someone my age really, yeah. But I remember telling people at YCP, hey, I can't I can't come to this event. I think it was our St. Joseph Saturday retreat. I was like I can't come to that. I have to go to a funeral. My friend passed away, and almost everyone stopped what they were doing to pray for the repose. What's his name? Tell me his name. And they would stop and they prayed for. And I was like, are you? Did you just pray for him? Like it, I had never had that happen. Never mm-hmm. seen that happen. It was it was a good. Should have been an indictment of, of the type of people that I was around at the time, but, um, but I just, uh, you know, I, I remember that kind of stick with me. And then about a month later, I do lose my job. I didn't think they were actually going to fire me. I, le- I leave the U.S. for the first time in my life. I'm 25 years old. Come back thinking, all right, I just got through this really hard project. Maybe I'm through the worst of it. It seemed like everyone, you know, everyone was kind of fine. Um, but in, in hindsight, I, I should have seen the writing on the wall. I get pulled into a room and I'm like ceremoniously fired. Like, uh, and they're like, give us your laptop, leave right now. And it was like, easy come, easy go. I'd been there two years. I feel like I'd given my life and, and no pun intended, but like my soul to this company mm-hmm. and try to be the most loyal thing, uh, loyal worker. Yeah. And, uh, it was like, for what? Right. Like I knew these people didn't yeah. love me back. I tried to buy into this fake culture. Uh, I didn't really have any understanding of like, did my bosses believe in God? Do they have any sort of faith life themselves? Am I working with people who have really my shared values? Like it's written on the wall. They have all these niceties written on the wall, but like ultimately, you know, as I kind of evaluate them now that I'm, I think I'm as old as what my manager was when I got like, you know, I'm like, yeah, they weren't, what was their value system? Didn't, I didn't have a way to think yeah. about that more or less. I did, didn't know that I had a way to think about it. Um, but I remember again, kind of the next domino. I, t- I tell my the, the YCP team, "Hey guys, this is really embarrassing. I, I never thought this would happen to me. I've lost my job. Everybody stops there doing it to pray. What do you need? How can I help you?" And it was just like these moments of moral uplift. And um, 
you know, I, shortly after, unfortunately, sometimes when you lose your job, you lose the, your relationship and, and everything just kind of seems to fall apart. But this all happened within about 30 days of itself. I just remember feeling like this is a complete loss of this sort of phase one, stage one, chapter one of being in Chicago. Like thought it was this company, thought it might've been this girl that I was dating was kind of going this route, but I'm like, I, I didn't have any way to think, God, what do you want from me? Like, what, what, yeah. what am I actually called to do? Is it still, um, you know, you're, you're almost infected with the idea that your, your identity should be professionally based and everything else is, is secondary and tertiary and all that. Just didn't have, just didn't have a, I had, didn't have somebody to kind of push me in the other direction, mm-hmm. but over, we're at about the six month mark. I start a new job and didn't realize it, but I'm now working with one of the guys on the team's sister-in-laws or something like that. But you kind of also see how small the world is through like Catholicism's largest religion. But you start to see, wow, there's really Catholics everywhere. You're talking to people, you know, people at all these places. Um, But I just wasn't thinking like this should be kind of the core band of my life. This should be the core community and everything else should be secondary to that. I was, I was much more in the professional world, but all to say, I just had a bunch of great people around me um, and I'm going through, I just had a topsy-turvy year and this is the year that I'm supposed to be serving, right? But the whole time I'm, I have this, it's this year of loss, this year of um, kind of wandering almost. I'd, I'd started a new job, not, not a move that I thought I was going to make. And um, and then I, unfortunately, at the end of that year, lost my grandfather, who was our last, you know, um, grandparent. When that kind of happens, when, when all grandparents have passed away, there's a big sort of generational shift this almost reverberation who's going to rise up but we didn't have that it was kind of a disbanding and it it, you know things are things are fine now but i just remember thinking wow what a tough year in hindsight and i i don't i don't sit here with any sort of whoa poor pitiful me because of the people that i had around me so Mm -hmm. it it took years and years in hindsight where i'm 2019 talking to a doctor or talking to somebody because i've always believed in analysis and just kind of like being able to reflect with some sort of doctor or PhD or, you know, therapist or whatever it is, like to really have them help you think of your life. It's like, yeah. What was the big thing there? You know, genius. It was that you were finally around good people. So, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that I was around bad people, but I just wasn't around good Catholics more or less. Yeah. So I am like, oh my gosh. In, in hindsight, I, I just started to see like, this is, this just feels right. These are good people. And I was ready to take over. I wanted to be the next president of YCP Chicago. I was like, I was really, everything was starting to click more than it was clicking at work. Um, and before I know it, I'm on my way out of YCP Chicago as well. They had brought some new guy in, um, who was, we're all volunteers, but it was just like, I had lost another job too. He, he mm-hmm. took over as president, they anointed him. And then he's like, and this guy did not like me whatsoever. And he's like, you're gone. Uh, he's like, I want you out. So I didn't go back to YCP. It was like, I'd had this glimpse of community thinking, oh my gosh, maybe this is what I should be leaning into. And it was like, the rug got pulled. And it was a sense of rejection as well. It's like, I lost my job. Yeah. And then so I'm starting to feel like, is Chicago really for me? Like I'd had this great, this weird, but positively, you know, uh, somehow positive 2017. Then I kind of feel like I'm on the way out though. So the next two years I'm at this other company and uh, I'm like, you know, what, let's give it a shot. But I knew that that entrepreneurial dream was still kind of alive. Still going to mass, was never thinking, you know, oh God, how could you do this to me? But um kind of yearned for that that same community back but it was like the one there was no other secondary community everything in chicago at least for me at that time was within ycp and i kind of left like uh with my uh my head between my or whatever the expression is 
Um, but I just, I just left being like, I, I'm not wanted here anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and leaned a little more, leaned back into work, but 2018 was just kind of a a break. I was like, I gotta just, I gotta come back to my senses. So I traveled a bunch and I I did what we do, right. When we're, we're, we're in periods of of kind of suffering or, or, um, loss when we feel lost, I kind of leaned into the creature comforts. I'm traveling a lot. I joined a private club. Um, I'm just like, I'm not doing anything. I look back like 2018 was almost a pointless year for me because it was like, how did I really grow? I grew a lot more during that period of of suffering when I was, I had to really find who I was and who I needed and and, and what Mm -hmm. I was really made of. 2018 was just kind of bread and circuses. And, you know, there's a common, you know, for the, the other young Catholics, I call it like the five-year itch. And this could be really anybody. But right as you establish um, a sense of security and, and maybe a professional kind of stability, then we start to think of, of purpose and meaning, right? Like, all right, this job was great. Common thing with consultants, what do they do? They go, they get their MBA. They go work in a nonprofit. They go do something else. But yeah. tons of people don't yeah. last more than That's five years. <laughs> um, so I was, I was in the same boat. So within middle of 2019, I remember being like, I'm ready to leave. Same thing, kind of same story with my job. Like I just, I, I don't have a boss that I think supports me, seems to kind of have it out for me. And, and maybe this is just my own honorness. Like I'm kind of an outdoor cat. Like I, I'm not, I'm not the greatest employee. I'm much better when it's, it's my thing. Um, but I basically said, I got to wake up every day and feel like I can leave. Cause this was my, this was my first time leaving, feeling like I'm starting a, uh, a company or starting off on my own in a completely new city, like in a completely new state, thousand miles from home. Whatever. I started my job or started my company July of 2019, thinking I had all the plans in the world. I had no plan. In hindsight, zero plan. Uh, three weeks later, I'm uh, right around the same time I applied to graduate school. Three weeks after I started my company, I get into grad school. So I'm like, okay, maybe this was actually, this is some directional path. But again, a complete failing to say, are you actually a consultant? Is this actually what you should be? Like, shouldn't you be home? Like, should, like, why are you here? What is this? Mm-hmm. You're inculcated with the idea that, that life is like, oh, the places we go. And it should be this upward trajectory and this great professional journey. But like, I had no bound. I had, I had nothing to really ground myself to, again, while still being somebody who's going to mass and actively confession twice a week or twice a month, once a month. Um, that wasn't lacking. It wasn't like I was questioning it whatsoever. Like that's kind of the common story is, you know, the, what we can look to is, is Augustine's formation, right? He knows there's good and evil. He's a, he, he notoriously starts life as a Vanakian, but he, he lives his life the way that a lot of people live now, right? His twenties are really raucous and it's, it's philandering and St. Monica's chasing him around everywhere, trying to keep him on, on bay. That's, that's the experience of a lot of people is, is like, let's lean into the hedonism the Epicureanism of life. And yeah, when it's finally time, maybe, maybe it's, you know, I'll, I'll start to, to think about God and think about that. But mm-hmm. he has this famous conversion scene, right? Like notorious to say, to say like, it's like a rejection of worldly things um, to spend. And it happens right around his thirties. And then we, we see that over and over in history that people have kind of a, a wild twenties followed by this, like a settling in and this almost renunciation moment in their, their early thirties, late thirties of saying, got to put that behind me and I got to really pursue God. You see it over and over again. It's actually pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but for me, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm still, it's, I'm just saying this as someone who's like, now I feel much better merged, right. As a 32 year old, but start my company at 27 thinking, all right, I got to just double down on school. That's going to help me make more money. That's going to help drive my career. Um, 
And, and then I really lean into both those two, work in school, startup in school, whatever you want to call it, from about 2020, 2019 until, let's say, we, we started launching YCP. Because YCP has been its own thing that's kind of helped reground me. But I, I go into overdrive, burnout, and um, I'm working from 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, just trying to like keep the lights on, trying to make enough money to get to live in New York um, to get through school and all that. But it's like, I am just fried. And again, still going to mass, still nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I didn't have some big rejection of God or any of that. Um, but okay. How did, how did YCP happen? I move here and again, another holy day of obligation. Um, my, I moved to New York notoriously February 22nd of 2020 unbeknownst three weeks before COVID uh, but the first mass that I attend is Ash Wednesday of 2020. I walk in to um, what's my now my church that I go to, St. Joseph's in Greenwich Village, St. Joe's. And I am like struck. I have no idea that this is the NYU parish, but I am like amazed that this is just a just stadium full of, you know, a parish full of, of young people. I'm like, oh my gosh. And YCP was not a part of my life those last two years that I was in uh, Chicago. So when I first moved there, I'm like, you know what? I should think about a YCP. Like I should reach out to those people. Like maybe it's something time to go back. But what made all those years hard of was having basically from 2010 to 2020, one very nice year uh, of, of a good faith community. And then nine pretty tough years of, of really feeling like I'm on my own. So I'm like, maybe this is it. Maybe, but again, I'm still so focused on this, it's my own, oh, the places we go journey that I have all these fun things in, in front of me. Uh, but I send an email to um, the COO of YCP. I said, hey, I don't expect you to remember me, but uh, how is there not a chapter here? Like, how have you guys not gone to New York? And he goes, yeah, you know what, Joe, no. maybe this is your calling. Maybe this is something for you to think about. And I'm like, no. Like, I'm starting grad school in a, in, in a couple weeks. I just moved to New York. I'm, I'm just getting my New York client kind of under me. I was like, of course not. But what happens then is now I'm living in probably the worst place to be in terms of pandemics uh, and the, the pandemic across the U.S. But now I have this this year kind of similar to 2018, but, but really not um, to just sit and reflect, sit and think about all these things that are important to us. The all the faux milestones that are placed in front of us of the in-person um, working world, those are all removed. Everything's everything seems way less important. Work yeah. almost work becomes hard almost to take seriously because you're like I'm just a guy who sends emails and sits in Zoom calls, <laughs> um, and I'm not sure that's really changed over the last couple of years to be honest with you. Like thankfully I, I read some code now, but like um, it just became I had this great sense of nihilism where I'm like what what now what is the point of this? Like you, you didn't realize how all these heuristics were keeping you stick and carrot like down the down the way, being like man I that was kind of pointless. That didn't really amount to anything. And, and I was just talking with somebody about this today, but just the whole arrival fallacy. It was like, I had just gotten through all these stages. Like what were the last 10 years about? Like perfectly marked by graduating high school, graduating college, six years of professional work. It's like, am I, am I that much better off? Am I that much happier? Not even thinking, am I that much closer to heaven? How, how yeah. is my, how's my faith life? How am I being towards my neighbor? How am I really living up to the commandments? Like I'm not, I was, but it, it was, it would, what forced me to do is being like, all right, Maybe this, maybe all of these things coalesced for a reason. And because I've been running meetup groups, I was, I was running my alumni association. When I live in Chicago. I ran this thing called Chicago consulting meetup. So I like these little side projects because 
our job is can be so dense and competitive and uh, you don't always feel like your coworkers are your friends. Right. So um, I needed some, some secondary outlet. Right. Um, and, and YCP was one of those as well. Just like, but I loved community building and um, I saw it as, as a great um, kind of way to, to make friends in a city that I didn't, didn't live in. But I moved again, not, these are nothing, none of these things are going through my mind when I'm, when I'm first living here. But what happens then is we're all just kind of waiting and seeing we're not allowed to go to mass. Somehow liquor stores and strip clubs are still open, but churches have to close. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the, another really hard year to just not have church in your life or to not have God in your life um, in an in-person sense. All these things are much better. Um, but the other thing that kind of sets in is when you move here is that it's not Chicago, that not everyone is openly Catholic. And in fact, somehow the city is one-fourth Catholic. So that's like t- three million Catholics. And the literal Asalia Corridor is the top five Catholic states in the country. But you, wow. you don't see people quite living their faith the way that I had experienced it in Chicago, where we're talking about it so openly. It's almost homogenous to a sense where, you know, that's not like there's some other competing religion or there's not some other dominant. There was, but there, there wasn't in, in, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that is, is kind of gone by the wayside now. And I'm like, I am living now 2,000 miles away from home. Instead of probably going back and, you know, taking care of the, taking care of the family or things like that, I, I move even further by myself. Um, only to install being like, man, I really need to find my people. And it was the year that you couldn't find anybody. Um, but beyond that, it was like, you see what the role that New York plays in so many other ways. So one, my client at the time is Anheuser-Busch. That's the client that brings me to New York. And I'm not going to say anything negative about them, but what you just saw, right? Corporate Catholic, uh, as someone who, you know, and I, I knew some Catholics that were in that company, but they just made a big brand decision that negatively impacted their company in, in the billions. Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you, how, how does someone in our situation speak up? How do you say something that, Hey, maybe that's not the right thing to do. Or how do you, you, and honestly, honestly, you probably don't. Most people are just going to keep quiet and go along with the hive mind, but the hive mind here is so much further in one direction than, than you would ever expect. And it's, it's so hard to keep up with. But that's kind of like this this weird intelligentsia they have is that they think like well it's not it's not traditionalism it's not the core things that we've known from the 20th century it's not it's not baseline religion it's got to be something there has to be some new solution that's just so much further this way and um, and I, I remember thinking if I moved here at 22 versus being 22 23 in Chicago versus being around the people that I got to be around am I still the same person probably not that's such a core time for identity development, your, your value formation. And I just kept seeing people who were being guided in the complete other direction. And what, what I, it's what I think is the other direction. You may think it's the other direction as well, but you're, you're inculcated with, with the wrong set of values. I think when you first move here, if you really lean into what secular New York has to offer, mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Right. But, but mm-hmm. it's whatever you think you can find in other cities, you find that 10 X here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, imagine you're sitting here, I have a nephew now, and I always think about you spent 18 to 22 years raising somebody, trying to do your best, make them God-fearing and, and, and you know, be a good person and all these things, only to have them morally corrupted within the matter of a couple of years. Like, to me, that's, that's devastating. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that the soul is going to kind of recognize that. If, if you're, you're, even if God was not a part of your life, in childhood, you still recognize what's kind of the good versus the bad, right? The Manichaeanism. 
And I think there's so many people that are like at a crossroads and where we've been able to convert or pull a lot of people back in is they're saying, wow, this, I've tried to keep up with this rat race or this, this way of thinking, this way of living. It's not serving me. It's, it's grinding me up. It's, it's, it's wearing me out. Um, and to me, that's again, when I talk about that renunciation moment, these, these Augustinian things, these, these, these pleasure-based things or these, these, whatever utilitarian things, they don't fulfill us. They're not going to fulfill our soul. And whether that took me 30 years to realize or take somebody 80 years, uh, we, we, we can look and say we have this moral framework that we can all lean into that um, was, was prescribed for us and that we don't have to rethink. So we're seeing a lot of those people that are morally exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, thinking that uh, if, if it's just, like I said, the same things that I was doing, doubling down on work, doubling down on, I said, maybe I just need to travel more. Maybe I just need to do some of these things. And I was, I've always lived kind of, you know, pretty above board, but that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. How, I was not, I was not grounded in, in anything. So this is a long preamble of being like, all right, I, I'm not, you know, moving here, not married. I, I wasn't stuck to anything, but work in school I saw as like primary commitments. I should have seen them as just two of my many commitments. But I, I was, you know, YCP was not really developing um, because we couldn't develop because we had, couldn't be in person. And then we had the vaccine mandates. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be someone who's encouraging or uh, mandating anyone to come to my events, uh, whether they don't have a vaccine or not. So as soon as that was lifted um, in early 2022, I said, all right, I got to double down and I'm going to treat this with the same rigor that I would as a consulting project. But I'm going to treat this also that I'm that this is not work at all. That I'm I'm here to serve, and I'm, I'm I shouldn't I shouldn't take shouldn't apply some of those more utilitarian secular things where it's like you know you what's supposed to happen is will happen I guess. Um, but I I build this team in very chaotic ways. We don't have any money. We I don't know where the donors are. Unbeknownst to me. Um, so, so the, the nuance of like where, so YCP has succeeded in all these other cities because they're basically coming in feeling, solving, um, uh, kind of a primary need that there's no aggregate broad community. Mm-hmm. Um, YCP has had, or uh, sorry, YCP, New York City's has that about five times over, um, their young adult outreach, their, their young adult ministry basically is YCP. And it was started in the early two thousands, um, but that, that all sort of flows um, to about 60 to 80 other Catholic groups and Catholic ministries. So we're approaching the archdiocese. We're asking, you know, kind of the more notable Catholic figures. And everyone's blank staring at us. They're like, we don't need this. We don't care. There's no, there's no nice story you're going to tell us. Um, but I was like, no, it, it, it should exist. It has to exist. Because how many people are coming from Phoenix? How many people are coming from Houston, Chicago, um, Atlanta, it's, it, it is, New York is the, the hub of so many people that are there for a year. They're there for work. They're there for a vacation. Um, it'll always be this cultural hub that you can't just expect people like me to eventually find their way. Like you, you need that. You still need that kind of, um, connected community. So yeah. I make what ends up being the largest donation that I ever thought I would make in my life because we were making, we're, nobody wants to give us any money. I didn't realize at the time, but certain people that were, I thought on my team, on my side, you know, wanted to see us succeed. were actively telling people like, 
do not give these kids money. They, they don't need it. They'll be fine. Um, and I was like, oh my God. But I am at the point where I'm like, is this it? Is this the moment? Like, it's clearly not work. I've, I've been through about two dozen clients on my own. I've been, I was getting through grad school. I'm like, none of these things were filling me. None of these, it was, I, I had no way. Um, and it sounds bad because like I was still going to church, but I didn't have, I didn't have a way to grow, I guess. Because I was just, it was just like I was going to get lectured at. And um, I know like, you know, a question we were thinking about is like, how do you actually go out and live? You know, you're in, you're in mass for one hour. What do you do after that? Well, what you're presented with in a secular sense and a, in a spiritual sense, a professional sense, is about a thousand chances to evangelize and and uh, and mention and, and help develop other people and, and, and kind of grow in your own way throughout the week. And that one hour in church should be seen as almost kind of like a reconciliation of how did I actually live up to what I was being you know called to? How did I align my will with God's will? So... Mm-hmm completely reframes because now I'm having to think much broader that I'm actually like a figure in the scene. And I'm, you know, that all of these dots that I thought were just so random in hindsight, have only come into the picture now again, 10 years out of school, 10 yeah. years, whatever. Um, like I had to go through basically all of my twenties. Uh, it's, but it's, you know, you're like, how, all right, what is the work that's in front of me? How do, how do, how do my experiences, how do my skills, how do my wants and needs align with the current problem? And what I saw when I first moved here was you have about 3 million Catholics, but it really seems like maybe 1% to 2% of them are actually engaged, going to mass, living in any sort of way that resembles that. You have a lot of people who are cultural Catholics or fallen away Catholics or um, at, in the worst sense, at the where they feel in the present moment, but they're rejecting God. They're feeling a sense of Gnosticism, atheism. They're just like, nope, again, that same person who went to Catholic school for 12 years has has every reason to think uh, in in some sort of um, antithetical like they're they're just they're just not. So I'm like, how do I how do I do this without realizing that maybe I'm not the one who who needs to be speaking? But I remembered exactly the playbook of how we ran YCP Chicago. I I did some something like, how is it that much different? And is this something that I just need to kind of like also put in my um, my, my set of, of projects that I need to be working on. Cause it, like my, my whole thing of like how I've been able to accomplish a lot has always been keep a lot of different eggs and a lot of different baskets. And you'll never really feel that burnout. Like you can make an 18 hour day seem exciting. You can make an 18 hour day seem um, really miserable. But for me to like focus on 10 different things that actually helped me. Um, it was, this was like a great thing to add. Like you want something done, give it to a busy person. Like there's a reason that that adage exists. Um, but it's, you know, how do you kind of have that thing you pass down to the next person? How do you, how do you share, um, how do you share insights and wisdom and, and how, how can you kind of be a mentor without having to say any of these things? Um, it, to me, it was like, I knew the importance of community from generations past, uh, right. At the point of like, why is it a pr- predominantly a lot of older people in church, but it's a lot of older people running these events. Well, that was this. This was just the way of how they did things in prior generations. There wasn't a there was a monoculture. There wasn't a digital community. You needed ways to meet people. So community organization and and event planning and all these things were just they were just born into these people. Um, they knew that that they it was you know especially here in New York there's that immigrant ethos of of dense communities of resource sharing 
of relying on each other, of raising children together. Um, that's how they got by. It was a survival method. And, and then you still see that kind of carried through. But what is, the, the many crises of our generation are how we've got here into being a hyper-successful person, but still feeling uh, very lonely or unfulfilled. To me, you have the hyper-meritocracy where you're inculcated as a kid to compete with your peers, uh, compete for jobs, compete for status, compete for, for lifestyle. Um, so that, that peer competition thing to me is, is very insidious. Mm-hmm. You also have hyper-individualization. This was not a thing of years past. You weren't, you weren't thinking of yourself as a brand. You weren't thinking how much, what can life do for me and, and, and what can I achieve and how can I go to this place? It was, what do I need to do to get through this really tough time? And most places were, or most, most points of the 20th century, there were some marked time where communities had to come together in a micro level, a macro level, and that's, that's how they survived. There was, there wasn't, <laughs> you weren't making money off the internet. You weren't, uh, yeah. you know, we have, we have these amazing, uh, inventions now, but this was just born into them that this is, this is part of it. You know, somebody's, somebody's sick. Somebody needs to be taken care of. Somebody lost a job. You know, I just had somebody reach out to me and I, I hadn't seen this person in four years, but they're reaching out to me telling me that they're going to get evicted on Friday and that they didn't. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how many people did you have to go through before you got to me thinking, why are the, where are the people around this guy? But it, it's it's indicative of of a hyper individualistic culture. So you know, Rusty Reno, who's a writer of um, and I think senior editor of First Things, calls it a crisis of solidarity. We don't really have each other's backs. So you have these you have similar to what I was experiencing of saying, I got to do this on my own. I got to get a job on my own. I got to succeed on my own. Um, now I'm thinking, um, how do I buck this? And how do how do I just think? Uh, how do I how do I adopt the the ethos of of our our parents and our grandparents, and how do I kind of bring that into to a, a faith community? Um, so I was a part of the Union League, and I just remember it was like um, commitment. It was almost like a similar Notre Dame saying, but it was like commitments to country, to citizen. But it was like these these great C words that I remember always stuck with me. It's like a commitment to community, um, and I just I was around the average age of that club was like forty four. I think as soon as I left, it went back up to sixty four. But it was a bunch of <laughs> And yeah. I just remember being like that. And that was, but that was that 2018, 2019, 2020 period of just learning about how Chicago was and, and how, you know, life was in the fifties in the seventies. And they, like, it was, there was so much you could, you could really learn from um, and apply. And again, as I, I thought back of all the different things that God was showing me in my, my teens and twenties, I just remember thinking, this is something that we don't really have. How do you, how do you take away that meritocracy how do you take away the feeling like, well, he's an investment banker and, and, and they're a barista. Like you, you need, you need to kind of like nullify that um, and just say, Hey, we're all, we're all in this together. So um, I think it was something that I wanted to find some way to like, not just say, but again, how do you just show and, and make, make abundantly clear. So I saw all these opportunities to kind of be on all these different things, but as I thought about it, right, this, again, this group that it would be like almost going back to my old job, uh, that first full job that rejected me. And like, I felt a similar rejection level when I was kind of asked to like leave, but I'm like, I guess, I guess I'm here to, to build this faith community. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, what we're, our goal is, is again, the, we didn't build the, the faith community in New York. It's, it's been built. There's millions of people here. Um, they're just not always going to church, which is, which is another thing, but how do you actually, have what you would call a 
capital C community, which is something YCP is just everybody. But how do you yeah. actually find ways to aid somebody's formation? So where New York has already really succeeded is that whatever your interest level is or whatever your next thing where you think, you know, people always come up to you and say, you should try this for YCP. There's a chance it already exists here in New York. Um, but what we're trying to be able to do is take that same large community that exists throughout the U.S. and nationalize whatever kind of the smaller community is. So like I'm in this group called the Lumen Institute. Um, it's basically like um, a men's group that is half Bible study, half leadership half like men's therapy like i'm not even not even joking like, <laughs> how do you think those little things where it's like that was a benefit to me and how do you roll that out more because yeah. again i always think back to that that first person or the you know me previously like how do i solve how do i kind of reach out and give younger version me a hug how do i how do i solve those things i think gen z has different problems they have different strengths um you know like you guys are, again, I wouldn't even know how to start the podcast, but like, there's so many things you were like technologically advanced on, but I still see that same hyper-individualistic ethos that it's like, how do you, how do you just say, Hey, you're, you're part, you're with this group. You're, you're with, you know, and, and you sort of have to do that living here in the city. But if you're in, you know, Tampa, Florida or something, that's easy to just kind of live in your house go to your job and, and you can have that, that isolated life that uh, I think ultimately is, is not going to serve you over time. So getting people just to think more broadly that again, core identity is that you're a Catholic core community, your Catholic friends, and then right. The generativity that you, you know, the abilities to give back starts with, starts with the church starts with, and like to, to really root somebody in that. I think, I think, um, not only improves their own salvation, improves their own well-being, but it's it's something that um, kind of rebinds communities more or less. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a lot, though. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just going off the dome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for going into that level of detail. I think just listening to your journey and just the different points in your own life where, you know, moving to a new city, trying to navigate work, giving your everything to a job, but then realizing this isn't it or what am I actually here to do? Like all those questions, I think, are so relatable to so many people. I know for me especially. And just to hear how kind of community has helped you through those times I think is so hopeful for so many people who maybe don't have that community right now and have recognized that maybe now and desire that or are looking for that. So I guess what would you say to those people who are wanting to take that step? Because I think, you know, trying to seek out community sounds so ambiguous and it sounds so... Yeah daunting, you know, showing up to an event where you don't know anyone or, you know, putting yourself out there like that is just so intimidating. So, you know, what, from your experiences, like what advice do you have or what tangible steps would you take or recommend to someone in that position? That's a great question. And it's also recognizing that, I mean, you have viewers and you have people everywhere, right? So somebody who's a digital nomad that's listening to this in Paraguay or you know, <laughs> somebody that's, that's not somewhere where there's, you know, maybe the most prominent diocese. Yeah. Like, I mean, America just, 
it's always like it seems like there's like a logical place where like you know the top 15 20 cities we go but really people are everywhere and it, it you know to live on the internet and to live in the dig- digital culture like there's so many resources the hello app all these things are great but i think you're i'm assuming a, f- a few qualities that someone would have to have just to kind of like put out their flag and say hey let's let's meet but i think it is finding like it was i was i was solving a problem for myself right that's kind of how this all started i was i, I thought my alumni group in, in uh, when i was in chicago i thought it was very poor i said i want to run this i know what i need to do um when i when i eventually kind of escalated into or grew into the ycp i said i'm i'm I, I know what this should look like. I'm ready to go. Didn't happen, but it, it forced me to look at other things where I'm like, I just want to build these groups of people I want to meet. I want to build groups. So there's some intersection of faith that you can always apply and you'll be like, you, you think you're the only one. You're probably not, but this could be the, the Catholic football friends or what, you know, whatever it is. Like you can start with some core thing that has nothing to do with you actually talking about it, but you're just, you're always having that shared interest as a reconciliation. And it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be sitting, talking about, you know, vulnerable moments and, and all these things like some of that, and this is maybe male friendships, but it's just, it, it's all in the day to day. It's all in the little things. It's not in the big circle where you have to talk about the hardest moment and, and your, your fears of intimacy and your, your struggles with XYZ. Um, so I think it's just starting with simple things and, and saying, how can you, or the, the other thing is who, who's in my life now? There's a good chance, right? Catholicism is the most popular religion there's a good chance you've had people in your life already. And maybe that friend group is just where you start. Um, I think even just filtering, like when, it, when people are, you know, I didn't, I made sure not to talk about my dating life, but even just filtering <laughs> that you're dating Catholic people, right? Like that's, let, let me be the first to tell you, like start there. If you're wondering why certain things are not getting out of the gates, well, your value systems are going to be much different. You maybe just can't articulate at that moment. But I think that core one to two degree of separation. Who, do, who are the Catholic people I work with? Um, and I think community can be built from that. But I, I think it's it's the ethos, right? the ethos we found ourselves in is one of tribalism where a lot of people are aligned on things that they don't like. And it's easy to be angry together and, and shout at the internet and shout at, you know, all the injustices and things like that. But to really be aligned and, and bound by some sense of, of vocation or, or connection um, I think it's what we all need right now. So just, just starting with the people in your life, that's probably a group. You don't have to call it anything. You don't have to brand anything, but I, I do think it's, how do you, how do you get those people to have some sort of, or how, how are you going to church together? That's another thing. How do you find people that just want to go with you? And that's a group. I remember when we were starting, we hadn't even launched yet, but there was uh, my leadership team. We were like on our training weekend, it was like 12 of us and people were coming up to us and they're like, who are you guys? And like, there was no, we didn't have a thing on, but they're like 12 people don't go to church together. That's what, that's what these, this group people, and this was like New York where, you know, you, you can't really tell that, but she's like, whatever this is, I want to be involved with it. And it was just the, you know, if you, next time you go to church, look at how many people came alone. I, I bet if you went and said a single thing to them, Hey, I just saw you over there, you know, just want to introduce myself. I know coming alone is hard. I do that all the time. And I, I'm kind of a, you know, I have, People know who I am at this point, to an effect, but um, and and having them invite, hey, I saw this this event, this group, the soup kitchen. You'll be you'll be surprised how um, often somebody's going to accept that invitation because they're they're looking for that, and there's very few true recluses and misanthropes 
Um, you know, we're at this great point where not great, but we're, we're all looking for some invitation to some group. You just need to, and, and to that point where I was saying New York offers so many things that I don't think should be exposed to a, uh, 22, 23 year old before they get to them, we need to get to them. And, and I want to reach out and then pull those people in. So I'm like maniacally, I, I have no interest. I have no financial interest in this. I just want people to, to come back. And if, if you can kind of shepherd them, right the um, welcome the stranger that's that's something that's really hard for us in a post-covid world to embrace because social trust is very low and i can really appreciate that that if i go up to someone I'm like hey you want to come to this and she's like Ooh, stranger get away but if i have my team which is you know i have a lot of like great catholic women on my team I say, hey you should go talk to that girl see if she's you know okay female to female probably gonna work out better i, mean, I go talk to a guy probably gonna work out but like it's it's not that it it's it's that black and white, but, um, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're feeling it, then, then there's a chance somebody else is experiencing too. And I remember the one thing that really kind of resonated with me was, um, being like, God showed you these problems. Maybe those problems are gone, but they showed you those problems to remind you of how many others, how many other people have those problems. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so much of, of, right. We had this, we had the classic phrase in high school, community service. Why did, why did we call this just as some philanthropic means or something that was just to the less fortunate? It had to be somebody who was disenfranchised or had to be somebody who was really in tough place. No, no, no. This was the core concept that we had to bubble down to a admissions committee to say, how did you actually serve your community? It didn't have to be a senior living home or um, save the whales or something like that. But wh- how are you a steward and how did you really serve your community? Because how is, how is heaven painted, right? It's a banquet. It's we're all together. I, I remember uh, the word alone is in the Bible 80 times. The word together is in the Bible, I think, 480 times. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can look at all these signals like it's all about this, this, this recency of, of hyper loneliness and individualism. Uh, it's only something that lasts 10, 20, 30 years. This was not a way of life for the past 2000 years. So understanding the past and understanding that, like, what are the problems of the time? Right. Churchill is saying. All warfare is spiritual. We are in a spiritual warfare, and it's it's hard to it's hard to reconcile reconcile that because it's like, well, are we on the offense? Like, you just need to be on the defense and and look out for your fellow friends and and your fellow neighbor because they need you more than um, than a lot of the rest of the world needs them. But um, yeah, so these are these are easy things to talk about, but hard things to live up to because we can live in our little comfort world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, you know, we're it, this. We're we're heading into December, November. This is a great time of Thanksgiving, a great time of celebration. But we also know this is notoriously the winter months, especially in Chicago, right? With the weather, notoriously yeah. hard on the mind and the soul. There was actually, I know, I don't know how much time we have left, but there was a conversation between uh, a grandma and her granddaughter, and the granddaughter was like, you know, grandma, your life must've been so hard. He goes, you didn't have Amazon. You didn't have Uber Eats. You had to drive everywhere. You had to do all these things. And like, she's kind of just painting, like what was the old world versus like now? And the grandma was like, you know what? You're right. But life was, you know, we also had all the things that you don't in a certain way. She's like, life might've been hard on the body, but it was easy on the soul. She goes, your life may be easy on the body, but it's hard on the soul. Right. And, the, yeah. and then like the pans out on the granddaughter being like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And a lot of these things are, um, we're all going through it. And, and to me, it's like, I'm still going through it. To an I didn't solve all of my problems just by starting YCP, but I started that, 
but I am endowed by some of these past sufferings with a sense of purpose to say somebody went through, somebody's going through what I've been through. Uh, and whether that's just a, a, a sense of loneliness, a sense of, of, of wandering, um, a sense of spiritual, whatever, um, blase. And I need, how can I, how can I use this to, to kind of help them? There's a, there's a great saying, pain and suffering that's not transformed gets transposed. And every day in New York, and I saw this in Chicago on the subway, but it's, you just see a lot of people with that, that tra- like sort of like transient property of pain. It's like, how can they, they don't know what to, they don't want to make sense of it, but we, but, but returning to God and, and rebuilding your faith life is, is a great way to transform that. So mm-hmm. it's been a great journey. And I, I feel like I, you know, it's like I, p- people think that this is my full-time job or, um, you know, this is my whole life. I'm like, no, this is just one, one of the little groups or not one of the little groups, one of the groups that I'm a part of and, and help run. But, um, it's been, uh, it's been a great, it's, it's helped really aid my spiritual formation, my faith formation. So I feel a great amount of gratitude from giving and, and not getting anything back other than feeling uh, much closer to God than I was in the last couple of years. So a lot of gratitude, certainly. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I feel encouraged by what you were talking about to just invite someone to something, whether it's a YCP event or some community service or just someone to mass, I think a lot of people kind of are like, oh, I'm, I'm not that person like that invites people. Um, and they kind of peg themselves in that role. But I feel like that's a good takeaway of just, you know, invite someone to something um, and you never know what will come with, from it. So I think with that, um, we'll close out. And thank you so much, Joe. I mean, this has been amazing and just hearing thank your you. story and um, just feeling kind of, I feel like I was kind of on a, the journey with you. Like I was mm-hmm. feeling like the highs and the lows and <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like I felt similarly. So um, yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for everything you're doing with YCP and in New York. And if you're listening from New York, you know, head to some YCP events and, and say hi. Thank you guys. This is really nice. I appreciate it. And, and, and best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.